Welcome to the BPS Podcast. We are dealing with, again, Satan's devices to keep souls from holy duties, to hinder souls and holy services, and to keep them off from religious performances. Basically, what devices Satan uses against you to keep you from serving God, and we're giving remedies or answers or cures to these devices of Satan. On this episode, we are dealing with device number eight, and as always, I won't tell you what that is yet, but we are going to show a clip here in a moment, and I want you to listen to it, and I want you to take heed to exactly what's going on in each segment of this clip, and it'll show you exactly the same things that happen in the clip is exactly what Satan is using to keep us from serving God today. You're listening to the BPS Podcast. The A-team out there, led by Michael Phelps, who is going for gold medal number two at these games. The Americans have to win golden here if Phelps is to keep his hopes alive of surpassing Mark Spitz in the greatest Olympics ever. And Spitz won that seven gold medals. And there is the French team there. They are the favorites, and they have been doing some talking. Elaine Bernard, their world record holder in the 100 free, earlier told a newspaper, well, but what about the Americans? We're going to smash them. That's what we came here for. That article has been looked at by the Americans for extra inspiration, Rowdy, but it's going to take a lot, realistically, for the United States to out-touch France. Phelps going first. What is it going to take down the stretch of this race for the Americans to have a chance in the end with France? Uh, the problem is Bousquet for France was 46-6 in the prelim. And then you've got Bernard, the world, former world record holder now. They've got to get out there way ahead. You know, I think the winning relay, first of all, it's going to take a world record to win. They could break the world record by three or four seconds. That's how good all these teams are. Pull for the United States goes Garrett Weber Gallon, his first Olympic swim. Look at the world record line. Way ahead of it is a number of swimmers. Garrett Weber Gal has the lead for the United States. U.S. has the slight lead in the third leg of this four-man event. Fastest relay split in history in the prelims for Busquet. He swam at Auburn, and then you've got Colin Jones, who swam on the prelim relay and earned his spot in this final. But France has taken the lead up there in lane five over the United States. Colin Jones, probably the slowest leg of the four. He earned that spot to be on the relay in the prelims. Alain Bernard awaits as the anchor guy, and Jason Lezak is going to have to make up some ground on Alain Bernard, who stands six feet five and can absolutely fly. I just don't think they can do it, Dan. I mean, Jason Leekzak has been there how many times in his career has he anchored this free relay and medley relay, but I just don't think he can do it. He's trying to ride that wave as much as possible. Bernard is pulling away from him. The United States trying to hang on a second. They should get the silver medal. 
It's time for the quote of the episode. This one goes right along with our subject matter on this episode. It comes from A.B. Stimson. Here's what he has to say. Self can get up and pray and sit down and say, What a lovely prayer! Self can preach a sermon and save souls and go home, pat itself on the back and say, or let the devil say it through him, You did splendidly! What a useful man you are! Self can be burned to death and be proud of its fortitude. Yes, we can have religious selfishness as well as carnal selfishness. What a great quote from A.B. Stimson. And may we never allow ourselves to get the glory. You're listening to the BPS Podcast. Um, uh, Welcome. Uh, and your name is? We are the 100 Voices of Gospel. Uh, is it your choir? Well, actually, some say yes. Uh, I don't own them. You're the boss. Sort of. Okay. On, on the stage, I'm the boss. Okay. And where are you all from? Actually, we are 20-plus nationalities. Nice. Mm. Okay, so we're from all over. Uh, and you obviously are American. Yes, I'm American. We've got some English people in our choir as well. Oh, that's good. Can you hold your hands up? <laughs> there you are. Well, I, I only saw one hand. You saw one hand. The yeah. other two, they were not able to be with oh, okay. us. Okay, of course. Hang on, they live in England. Why couldn't they come? <laughs> well, listen, welcome everyone. Thank you. Really good luck. I hope it goes well. Thank you. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Everywhere I go, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Okay, 
listen to a clip from Britain's Got Talent when the 100 voices of gospel sung. And with all of these clips that we've shown you on this episode thus far, the one with Michael Phelps and the ones with the 100 voices of gospel, what you'll find is they did what they considered a service and they got glory for it and that was about it. They really stopped there. You understand that Michael Phelps had four years without another competition in Olympic competitions. And you find that the 100 Voices of Gospel, that was about it. Of course, they had a, a few more times when they tried out on the show, but ultimately that was it. You find that Satan is using this device against us. You see, all of those individuals got great glory. Oh, how splendid, how magnificent that they were. Oh, the whole stadiums, the entire... Uh, concert halls, if you want to put them that way. They were all giving a round of applause, a standing ovation, and a job well done. Well, that goes right with device number eight on this episode. Here it is. By working you to rest in your performances, to rest in prayer, and to rest in hearing, reading, and the communion of saints. And when Satan has drawn the soul to rest upon the service done, or to, you know, feel complete. That's what the author means by rest here. Then he will help the soul to reason this. Why, you had better never pray as to pray and to rest in prayer, and you had better never hear as to hear and rest in hearing, and you had better never be in communion of saints as to rest in the communion of saints. And by this device, he stops many souls in their heavenly race and takes off poor souls from those services that should be their joy and crown. You'll find this in Isaiah 58, 1 through 2, Zechariah 7, 4 through 6, Matthew 6, 2, and Romans 1, 7. You'll get what this means here in a moment. Remedy number one against this device of Satan is to dwell much upon the imperfections and weaknesses which attend your choicest services. So again, the idea of device number eight is this, that you've done such a good job, you don't need to do anything anymore. You used to read your Bible, you used to pray, you used to be a deacon, you used to be an usher, you used to sing, you used to teach Sunday school, but now you've done a job well done and you no longer have to do it anymore. And that's what the author means by rest. So the first remedy against this device of Satan is to dwell much upon the imperfections and weaknesses which attend your choicest services. Oh, the spots, the blots, the blemishes, that are to be seen on the face of our best duties. When you have done all you can, you have need to close up all with this. O oh, enter not into judgment with thy servant, O Lord. For the weaknesses that cleave to my best services, we may all say with the church, all our righteousnesses are as a menstruous cloth or as filthy rags in Isaiah 64, 6. If God should be stripped to mark what is done amiss in our best actions, we are undone. Oh, the water that is mingled with our wine, the dross that cleaves unto our gold. Pride and high confidence is most apt to creep in upon duties that are well done. You see, when we think we did such a great job, you see, we think we don't have to do anything anymore, and then you see pride and high confidence comes in. But remedy number one is showing us that you have imperfections and weaknesses even in your best duties. The Bible says your righteousness, not your bad duties, not your wickedness or iniquities, your righteousness is as filthy rags. Even your best is not good to be compared to the Lord Jesus Christ. And to think 
that we can stop serving God because we think we've arrived. The second remedy against this device of Satan is to consider the impotence and inability of any of your best services divinely to comfort, refresh, and bear your souls up from fainting and sinking in the days of trouble when darkness is round about you, when God shall say to you, as he did once to the Israelites, Go and cry unto the gods that you have chosen. Let them save you in the time of your tribulation. So, when God shall say in the day of your troubles, Go to your prayers, go to your hearing, go to your fasting, and see if they can help you, if they can support you, and if they can deliver you. If God in that day does but withhold the influence of His grace, your former services will be but poor cordials to comfort you. And then you must and will cry out, Oh, none but Christ, none but Christ. Oh, my prayers are not Christ. My hearing is not Christ. My fasting is not Christ. Oh, one smile of Christ, one glimpse of Christ, one good word from Christ, one nod of love from Christ in the day of trouble and darkness will more revive and refresh the soul than all of the services you used to do in which your souls rested as if they were the bosom of Christ, which should be only the center of our souls. Christ is the crown of crowns and the glory of glories and the heaven of heavens. We have many Christians who are living in the pride of how good of a job they've done, and they're living on that sort of righteousness, but we need to live according to Christ and on His sufficiency alone and not who we think we are and not how prideful that we seem to be and how mighty we think our services are. We are nothing without the grace of God. Remedy number three against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider that good things rested upon will as certainly undo us and everlastingly destroy us as the foulest enormities which can be committed by us. Those souls that after they have done all do not look up so high as Christ and rest and center alone in Christ laying down their services at the footstool of Christ, must lie down in sorrow. Their bread is prepared for them in hell. But watch out, you who live in your own light and warm yourselves by your own fires. This is the reward you will receive from me. You will soon lie down in great torment. See, we're living in our own fires. We're living in our own reward. We're living in our own things and services that we are doing, and we think that we've arrived. Is it good to dwell with everlasting burnings, with the devouring fire, why then rest in your duty still? See that you center only in the bosom of Christ. The fourth remedy against this device of Satan is to dwell much upon the necessity and excellency of that resting place which God has provided for you. Above all other resting places, he himself is your resting place. His free mercy and love is your resting place. The pure, glorious, matchless, and spotless righteousness of Christ is your resting place. Ah, it is sad to think that most men have forgotten their resting place as the Lord complains, My people have been as lost sheep. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray and have turned them away to the mountains. They are gone from mountain to hill and forgotten their resting place. And you'll find that in Jeremiah 56. So poor souls who do not see the excellency of that resting place that God has appointed for their souls to lie down in, they wander from mountain to hill, from one duty to another, and here they will rest, and there they will rest,
But those who see the excellency of that resting place that God has provided for them, they will say, Farewell prayer, farewell hearing, farewell fasting. I will rest no more in you, but now I will rest only in the bosom of Christ, the love of Christ, the righteousness of Christ. Christian, we're getting too caught up in all of the things that we've done. You just want a pat on the back and a job well done. You want to see how much pride you have? Here's a good tell. When you do a duty for God and you do a service for the Lord and in your church and someone doesn't tell you good job or a job well done and you get all upset and bitter about it, yeah, you did it for the wrong reasons. When your pastor doesn't acknowledge you in front of the whole congregation or when the Sunday school teacher doesn't tell everyone how you did such a great job setting up the tables or how setting up the food and you did such a wonderful job, you'll find out quickly where your pride is. I remember from a personal story one time, uh, I was leading a kids club on Wednesday nights and I took a picture of one of the ladies who made food for the evening and I posted it to our church's Facebook page and just raise this woman up for her service, her duty, her humility to cook the food for all the kids. Well, wouldn't you know it that another member saw that post. That member didn't congratulate this member who made the food. No, they said, why didn't I get a post? I made the food last week. You'll find that a lot of people in a lot of churches are being messed up and tricked by the devil to stop serving God any longer. And guess what? That one woman who complained, she doesn't make food for our church anymore, and she doesn't even come to our church anymore. You see, Satan has gotten her to stop serving God like she once was. You're listening to the BPS Podcast. It's time for your favorite segment of every Bearing Precious Seed podcast, the Christian Dad Joke. The question of this episode, or the dad joke, is who was the greatest comedian in the Bible? Again, who was the greatest comedian in the Bible? Well, it was Samson. You know why? (laughs) He brought the house down. Get it? (laughs) That's pretty funny. Who was the greatest comedian in the Bible? You can now say it's Samson because he brought the house down. You're listening to the BPS Podcast. Welcome to this segment of Food for Thought, where we here at the Bearing Precious Seed Podcast want to give you food for your thought. Today's episode gives us a question that... It's going to take some thought. It's not going to be something you may come to a perfect understanding immediately, and it takes some research. The question is, should a Christian take the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine? We're not dealing with Moderna, and we're not dealing with Pfizer. The only question is the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. The reason the vaccine is so contested is because it comes from a line of aborted human fetus cells. Take a listen to this segment from NPR News as they discuss the Johnson Johnson vaccine. The new Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine will provide a big boost to the effort to protect as many Americans as possible as soon as possible. But now there may be an obstacle. Some church leaders are raising concerns about the Johnson & Johnson vaccine because cell lines derived from abortions were used in its development. Joining us now is NPR's Tom Jelton. Hi, Tom. 
Hey, Ari. Explain which church leaders are raising these concerns and what are they saying? Well, not surprisingly, Ari, it's those that focus most on abortion, uh, notably U.S. Catholic bishops, also some evangelicals. In both cases, we have statements that the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is morally compromised because fetal cell lines were used in its development. They say that if people have a choice in vaccines, they should avoid the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. If they don't have a choice, they could go ahead and get whatever vaccine is available. And of course, Ari, as you know right now, most people don't have that choice. Explain what they mean when they say fetal cell lines were used in its development. Like, how were they used? Well, fetal cell lines have long been used in developing vaccines, not to get too technical about it, but my understanding is that cells from human fetuses can be used kind of like little factories to develop viruses that then become a part of a vaccine. They can also be used during the testing process to determine the efficacy of a vaccine. In the case of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, that's the only way fetal cells were used. But in the Johnson & Johnson case, fetal cells were used more directly. The cell line in that case came from a fetus that was aborted back in 1985. Not the fetal cells themselves, but a line that was reproduced from those cells. That's what gave rise to this concern. But in spite of the concern, just to be clear, U.S. bishops are saying that if Johnson & Johnson is the only vaccine available to someone, they should not hesitate to take it. That's right. And this is important. Uh, The U.S. bishops put out a statement just yesterday quoting uh, the Vatican as saying the following. When ethically irreproachable COVID-19 vaccines are not available, it is morally acceptable to receive vaccines that have used cell lines from aborted fetuses. Uh, In fact, Francis Collins, who's director of the National Institutes of Health and himself a devout Christian, quoted this church position when he was interviewed on this subject back in December. This is what he said. I think the Catholic Church's position, which I thought was pretty thoughtful, was believers who are pro-life should look at this issue. But if you have a life-saving intervention and there's no other alternative, this is acceptable. And, you know, Ari, given how much misinformation there is out there about vaccines right now, maybe it's that part of the church statement that is actually the most important part. Yeah. Is there any sense of how much of an impact, if any, this is likely to have on the vaccination effort? Well, one Catholic hospital here in the D.C. area, Holy Cross in suburban Maryland, has just gotten 500 doses of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. I spoke today to the Reverend Kirtley Yearwood. He's the chief mission officer there at Holy Cross. He told me the hospital, even though it's a Catholic institution, won't hesitate to use the vaccine regardless of the fetal cell line issue. Absolutely. It's a safe vaccine. Um, It has a wonderful um, record as far as being able to prevent serious illness and hospitalization. Those very remote cell lines are not a primary concern when you have the greater issue of saving lives. Of course, Ari, we'll just have to see whether other Catholic institutions take that same position when the Johnson & Johnson vaccine becomes more available. As you listen to that segment, you're going to have to understand this decision is going to be yours. We here at the Bearing Precious Seed Podcast are not here to give you answers on these questions. We only want to provide you with the resources to make a good decision. The Johnson Johnson COVID-19 vaccine may offer the best prospect for protecting as many Americans as possible as quickly as possible, but again... Shall we compromise for the sake of health is a question you're going to have to answer. 
Unlike the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, the Johnson Johnson vaccine was produced in part through the use of cell lines derived from an aborted human fetus. Again, we do not stand with the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, and we here at the Bearing Precious Seed podcast would say that Catholicism is not Christianity, and Catholicism is the most wicked religion in the world. But when it comes to their statement about this vaccine and questioning it, they have a good question. And you're going to have to decide, Christian, what you're going to do. Again, we're not arguing whether you should get a COVID vaccine. We are arguing if you should ever take the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. You're listening to the BPS podcast. Thank you for taking your precious time and spending it with us here at the Bearing Precious Seed Podcast. And as always, we challenge you with this work for the night is coming. Mm-hmm.